Running City, USA, Atlanta, hosting the U.S. Olympic Trials this year on Leap Day, February 29th. Here to tell us all about it is Rich Kana, the executive director of the Atlanta Track Club, U.S. Olympian, and general running enthusiast, telling us all about the Olympics, the trials, preparation, as well as the Atlanta Marathon, which is part of the weekend on March 1st, the day after the trials. Welcome to the Running Anthropologist podcast. I'm Mark Lane Holbert, your host for episode number 32. Let's get started. Welcome to the Running Anthropologist uh, podcast, Rich Kana. Super excited to have you and uh, so close to the Atlanta Olympic Trials and the Publix Atlanta Marathon. Really exciting. Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Um, so to kick it off, I, I always ask all my guests about their running origins. And I know yours are unique from New Jersey and through the Olympics, uh, being an Olympian. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. What, what brought you into the passion of running? Well, it has been a, a lifelong endeavor for me. Uh, almost quite literally, I ran my first race at the age of six. I should say my first road race at the age of six. I probably shouldn't have been running that road race. It was a four-mile uh, event called the Newark Distance Classic in Newark, New Jersey. Okay. And uh, suffice to say, there was no hint of of, uh, of an Olympic birth in my future. I was <laughs> I was dead last in the race, and I was so far back. My father had to jump in a police car to go looking for me. So it, it's been a it's been a wonderful journey. The sport has been great to me uh, from that first day at the age of six uh, through high school and collegiate running at Georgetown University, uh, and then chasing my Olympic dream, uh, finally making the Olympic team at the age of thirty in the year two thousand, uh, and then having the privilege to work in the industry in a few different roles. Uh, over, over over the last two decades has been has been a lot of fun, and uh, and we are dialed in right now for the Olympic trials here in uh, in just a, about a month's time. Yeah, it's it's coming up so quickly. I, you know, I, I want to ask you a little bit more about about your Olympic um, running, but before I do that, you know, how special is it to be to be hosting the you know the U.S. Olympic trials, and how did how did that come about? How does that even happen? So, it's a great question. Called two and a half years ago, we started to to look at uh, the the pros and cons, if you will, of, of bidding for the trials. Uh, and and so we, we took a, a, a deep look, a long look on the uh, on the RFP and through the RFP, and then ultimately just decided. Uh, that it, it would fit within our strategic plan and within a brand campaign that we were launching uh, to, to bring uh, the country to Atlanta, uh, an Olympic legacy city, uh, to experience uh, the Olympic trials and to experience what we considered to be the best running community in the country. So it was, uh, it was a many month process uh, as we looked at it and then a multi-month process bidding 
and now it's been almost a two-year process of, of, of preparation. So it's been, uh, in many ways, a marathon for us. <laughs> yeah. So just so others, people that haven't heard, the the name of the new name of Atlanta is Running City USA. That's correct. So we launched a brand campaign about two years ago, uh, built around uh, positioning Atlanta as Running City USA, and and the logic is as follows. Uh, Atlanta is home to the world's largest 10K. We now have a major city marathon. We have the second largest running organization in the country. There are more than 400 road races and marathons and trail races and uh, throughout the Atlanta metro area. Uh, we have some of the best high school track and field athletes in the country uh, beginning their career here in Atlanta. So so we believe uh, that, that, we, that we have the right to... to just to that name to, to stake the claim if you will to being running city usa and it's been a lot of fun over the last two years uh having that conversation uh, both with our members and the community at large uh so that uh, so that everyone feels part of this conversation and our mission is to to build a healthier uh, more active atlanta through running and walking Hmm. Uh, and having a, a campaign running City USA allows us to have a broad conversation uh, with all of Atlanta and not just those who are currently running and walking. That is so neat, you know. And if you think about, um, you know, the impact across big cities and populations of people, what um, you know, what that can do for the the culture of a city and young people growing up to to see and hear that their community is based on around movement and health. Um, that's really something inspiring for, especially for young people growing up and people that are wanting to take that first step into running. I agree. Um, when when you started this campaign, um, did you know that that the uh, that the Olympic trials would be the end goal, or was it that just kind of a part of it? It was just one of the many elements of it. No, it, it was not part and parcel. You know, securing the, the the right to hold the trials was was not part of the initial Running City USA uh, brand campaign, but it has fit in in within the, within the campaign very nicely. Neat. Now, so for those that haven't been to um, an Olympic event like this or Olympic trials before, um, how are they actually run? Are, are there different events that are, go on throughout the day? Um, how is it organized so that it can be an official uh, Olympic trial? Is that different from, from other running events that you might hold for Atlanta Track Club? Yeah, very different. So, so the, the bid uh, that we submitted went to USA Track and Field, our national governing body, uh, with, uh, with some oversight from the United States Olympic Committee. Uh, and the, the, I guess the awarding of, of the event is done by USA Track and Field. So, so mm. we were one of four bid cities, uh, and with, uh, with the award, uh, we are charged with being the local organizing committee. Uh, so we handle all elements uh, of the race from, from course development, to volunteers, to marketing, to prize money, athlete servicing and hospitality, uh, and everything else in between. Uh, and this is all done uh, under 
the direction, if you will, uh, of a championship-style event within USA Track and Field, again, our national governing body. So it is very different from every other event uh, that we host uh, in that uh, we, we are picking uh, the three men and the three women. I shouldn't say we're picking. We're, we're creating the stage by which the athletes choose themselves uh, for the Olympic team in 2020. And that's, and that's the beauty of the Olympic system in the United States is the athletes have to get it done on the day. Hmm. Yeah, and, and even before that, of course, you have to qualify for the trials and um, that time has come down and down. I, I'd be curious to know what exactly that time is for the field this year for, for the men and women. So, so there's been a, an ever-changing qualifying time, if you will, to qualify for the trials uh, over, call it the last five or six Olympiads. For this cycle, for this quadrennial, uh, for 2020, the qualifying standard to get into the trials for women is 245.00 and for the men, 219 zero zero okay. uh, and and uh, you know I, I would say that uh, between um, maybe a little bit uh, a little bit of we are in uh, the golden age of, of marathoning in the United States and with a little bit of a slower qualifying time than we had in the last cycle okay. we will have the largest Olympic trials marathon that's been uh, that's ever been held wow that's that's something to comment on that's that's really really neat and I'm sure logistically that that also poses challenges <laughs> very much so uh, in our in our bid uh, we talked about treating everyone the same so bring into the weeds for a second there have typically been a qualifiers and b qualifiers to the olympic trials uh, and those a qualifiers are treated in one way and b qualifiers are treated in a different way the a being the the higher seeds and the b being the lower seeds and it was was our feeling and in, in the bid process, uh, that if you qualify for the trials, whether you are the fastest qualifier or the slowest qualifier, you should be treated the same. Mm. Um, so when, when you have now uh, just over 700 qualifiers, uh, we are now charged with providing, for example, uh, personal hydration or personal fluids uh, for up to 700 athletes, and that's never been attempted before at any marathon, to my knowledge, anywhere in the world. Huh. Wow, that's that's pretty incredible. And and just thinking about the coordination, you know, all of these athletes potentially could be one of the three uh, athletes representing the U.S. in the marathon. So that's that's pretty exciting too. Um, when when you set out to do this, you know, that theme of equality um, that you just mentioned is one that kind of permeates through the Atlanta Track Club and even into um, the, the very, um, you know, very progressive take that you all have done on the Publix Atlanta Marathon, which is the day right after the, the qualifiers. Um, I, I was hoping that at some point I might make the connection there. Um, and you could share with us a little bit about how you've, you know, brought that theme of equality to, um, you know, the wheel racers and um, the para racers as well as the regular runners into um, the Atlanta Marathon. Sure. Well, I would go back to our our mission, uh, and that is to impact health and wellness through running and walking. And that mission doesn't say uh, that it is just for 
men or just for women or just for old people or young people or, or black people or white people. It, it, it is for, for everyone, and that includes able-bodied as well as athletes with disabilities. So we, we, we believe that the sport should be universally accessible. So we've taken some steps over these last few years uh, to put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. So, so I would point to our 50th running of the peach tree that – uh, that that just happened this past year in 2019, where we, in partnership with the Shepherd Center, uh, which is our partner on the wheelchair race, offered uh, complete parity, equality uh, in prize money between the able-bodied elites and uh, the athletes uh, in wheelchairs. Uh, and, and we're very proud of that fact. We're sort of leaning into um, the, the history of Atlanta in terms of being progressive in thought and action. Hmm. Uh, and then when you look at an event like the Publix and you reference the Publix Atlanta Marathon, so that's, that is the event, uh, as you said, the very next day. So we're looking to create a weekend here in Atlanta that embraces uh, all runners uh, of all abilities, again, all shapes, sizes, ages, etc., so we have a 5K, we have a half marathon and a marathon, as well as a kids marathon. Oh, neat. And as part of that, uh, we, are, we are partnering with, uh, with Brent and Kyle Pease of the Pease Foundation. Uh, so, so you will see uh, a few hundred people involved in the division that we call the Push Assist Division at Publix. Uh, and that is an athlete in a wheelchair uh, who is pushed by a team of of people uh, either mostly in the half marathon but but potentially a few in the marathon as well and again this is all about allowing everybody in the community uh to 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 be involved uh in an atlanta track club event uh all working toward this mission of being the model for uh, a healthy and fit city Neat. And there's a, of course, you mentioned there's a parity of prize money with the men and the women in the marathon, which is also kind of linked into that as well. Correct. Um, now, for people that haven't been to one of these big events like this, it must be an incredibly mind-blowing uh, tactical and logistical task to host U.S. trials and then the day after host the big city marathon. Um, you know, back to back with all of these people. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, are the courses the same? Did you overlap in some things? How, how did you go about doing that? Very carefully. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would start by saying Atlanta Track Club in Atlanta is best known for the Peachtree that I reference, uh, and that's a 10K. Okay. Uh, and that's it. That was in its 50th year in 2019 uh, and the thing about the peach tree is it, it, it the scale of it is is scary it's it's mind-boggling but we've had 50 years to perfect it uh-huh. uh, and it's largely plug-and-play uh, the city understands it our staff understands it uh, all the participants understand it uh, the the races of, of February 29th and March 1st are going to be very different that way, with the trials being on Saturday and the Public Atlanta Marathon being on Sunday. Uh, candidly, hosting the Olympic trials uh, as a standalone event in a big city like Atlanta uh, is, pro- is not possible if not packaged 
uh, with another event uh, hmm. where you already have the the resources and the scale uh, from the from a city and a volunteer and a staff perspective to throw at it. The, but the flip side is when you when you do these two events back to back, you're creating some some significant challenges uh, from a bandwidth perspective, of, of both with the city and your staff and your volunteers. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are very much going to learn by by do here, uh, and and we're excited about the challenges that it'll it will create for us. It'll push us in ways that we've never been pushed before. Um, but we are using two different courses. So the, the Olympic trials is a criterion course so that it is uh, spectator friendly, uh, television friendly, and so that it highlights, it accentuates uh, some of the most iconic locations in Atlanta. And the Publix Atlanta Marathon the following day uh, and half marathon are completely different. Uh, in that race, we're looking to touch all the nooks and crannies uh, of Atlanta, all the different neighborhoods, in a way uh, that people can experience the you know the history, uh, the diversity, uh, and and just the, the the warm southern hospitality uh, that that make the city great. That's great. So the first the first of the marathon trials being a little bit more streamlined for speed and for logistics, and the second being more of a cultural experience. Yeah, that's, you said it better than I. And I would add uh, that the trials course is what we call Atlanta flat, which means it's not flat, um, but it is a lot flatter than the public's Atlanta marathon course. So, so we tried to take the athletes' interests uh, to heart as we built uh, the, the trials course. Yes, and I've I've only heard by the way I've only heard by word of mouth uh, that the Atlanta course is 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 not a not a cakewalk um, as I'll be running it for the first time this year as well. So um, I, I look forward to that, and of course look forward to seeing all the all the neighborhoods and people that um, that come out. I, I appreciate I appreciate you planning it that way. Yeah, um, we're excited to have you. <laughs> thank you. Um, and so coming off of that and looking at um, the Olympic trials itself. Um, do you have any um, any kind of uh, goals for the Olympic trials? I know that it it ends right at the foot footprint of the uh, of the Olympic Stadium. Is is that correct? Uh, actually, no. So it, it it starts and finishes at uh, COP or Centennial Olympic Park, as we call it here in Atlanta. Okay. And uh, that is what I that is our legacy park. That that that. Uh, park that green space that open space uh, ha I, I would put up against any Olympic legacy infrastructure or facility anywhere in the world in terms of what it has done for the city of Atlanta hmm. um, so so we're proud and that's right in downtown we do uh, roughly 20 between 24 and 25 miles go down toward what is now Georgia State Stadium and was the Olympic Stadium in 96 and run under uh, the Olympic rings that are still there in place uh, on, uh, on Hank Aaron Drive. So you'll run under those Olympic rings uh, and make your way back up uh, toward downtown. You'll see the, the, the Capitol Dome in the distance as you go under those rings uh, and, and head toward the finish line there in Centennial Olympic Park. Okay, great. Yeah, I read Centennial Olympic Park, and I, 
now now I'm clear. That's not where the Olympic Stadium was, but just where the 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 heritage infrastructure is. Correct. Okay, and that's um, what you just described. Is that during the Publix Atlanta Marathon or during the trials? That is what I just described. That is the trials course. Okay. The Publix Atlanta Marathon starts and finishes in the same place, uh, but ventures out along different routes. Got it. Okay. Well, that that's neat for people that are coming to watch, so they'll have kind of a, a visual idea. And of course, I'm sure they can go online and get the full uh, U.S. Olympic Trials course. They can. So there's a the few few items there. So number one, one of the one of the big pillars for the trials was a walkable solution for the athletes and their family and friends and the media and spectators. So uh, we built the the Olympic trials marathon experience so that when you arrive in Atlanta, uh, you never have to jump into a car. You can use public transportation. You can use MARTA. Uh, all of the downtown hotels are all within walking distance of Centennial Olympic Park. Um, so whether you're coming to town to watch the trials or participate in the publics or both, uh, you'll be able to do it in a nice compact area that is really convenient for everyone. And you can find information on the trials at atlanta2020trials.com and then information on the public's Atlanta Marathon at atlantatrackclub.org. Okay, I'll be sure to post both of those links uh, on, our, on our website and on the blog site and all that, all that stuff. I, I know a lot of our listeners are, are interested and a lot of, you know, uh, people listening that are college runners or high school runners, um, you know, to hear and see what it's like to actually qualify for and be a part of the Olympic trials. That's, uh, that's something really inspiring. And you referenced the, the, the high school and the, and the collegiate runners uh, across the country. Uh, I would, I would speak to them specifically here in Atlanta. Uh, we're, our, our theme of our bid was Olympic legacy, Olympic future. Um, so we are an Olympic city, um, but kids uh, that are in high school now obviously weren't born in 96. Uh, so we're looking to reignite uh, that Olympic fever that we had here in Atlanta in 96. Uh, and we're looking to inspire a new generation of high school athletes uh, to chase their Olympic dreams. So, so high school kids, uh, their teams, their coaches, their families will, 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 will play a big part uh, in Olympic trials uh, weekend in Publix Atlanta Marathon weekend. We're calling it America's Marathon weekend. They'll be out there on the course in force, uh, in cheer groups, in cheer zones, uh, cheering on those Olympic hopefuls as they make their way around the three-loop course. Wow, that is that is super cool. I'm, I'm excited to hear that. Uh, for most of us that watch high school running and college running, that's some of the most, uh, you know, the most exciting times for us is to see young people excited about running. Um, I, by the way, I was, a uh, in 96, I was a senior high school runner and, uh, heading to Michigan state, um, the, the following year. So, uh, oh, very cool. that was, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the Olympics in Atlanta were definitely, uh, an exciting time. Um, so bringing that full circle, I, as I mentioned, I wanted to come back to your Olymp time in the Olympics and get a feel for what that was like for you, you know, just for people that haven't been in the Olympics and that have their hearts set on uh, experiencing some of the Olympics or knowing what it was like to be there. Um, I'd love to hear um, kind of how you got there and, and what it was like being in, um, you know, experiencing uh, both, um, both the world championships in Athens and uh, the Olympic 
um, 800 and I know the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney, um, whatever, wherever you want to start and whatever you'd care to talk about to share. Well, I would start by simply saying I've been blessed to, to be involved in the sport for so long uh, and to have had the journey that, that I did. Uh, I didn't qualify for the Olympic team uh, on my first try. I didn't qualify for it on my second try, and I ultimately uh, made it on my third try. So the third huh. time is charm for me. Uh, so in 92... I competed in the Olympic trials in New Orleans in 96, ironically, right here in Atlanta and came up very, well, I was close, um, but uh, I was fourth and did not make the team just by mm. a tenth of a second or so. Wow. Uh, so so it was it was a journey um, that was, was filled with plenty of highs and plenty of lows, and I say this all the time, the highs in this sport are so high they they they, they bring you back and for more uh, but the lows are are, are equally such that you know, plenty of injuries plenty of setbacks plenty of disappointments uh, and I say this all the time it's easy to say because I ultimately made the team but had I had I not made the team uh, I would have done it all over again for me it was all about the journey so from a from a great high school experience to a, a world-class education at Georgetown to traveling the world to meeting my wife uh, to to having a, a career in the sports marketing industry uh, involved directly with events uh, at Global Athletics and marketing and world-class athletes there uh, to, to now being the executive director of, of what I consider the to the best running club in the country. The sport has been really good to me. And uh, I would say that the Olympic experience, specifically in Sydney, uh, was everything that I hoped it would be and more, uh, except for uh, how I competed on the track. I, I ran really poorly. Uh, so very disappointed about how I represented the, the country in that regard. Um, but it was what I had hoped it to be when I walked in in the stadium in the uh, in the opening ceremonies uh, in September. I can't remember the September or October of 2000. Yeah, and we as as runners, we all know we have good days and bad days, and particularly on the track when the distance is so short, there's not much time to make it up, um, and seconds is all it takes. And in something like the Olympics, so I, I know that um, that's a big uh, for many Olympians. They you know they feel like oh man I could have done better. It's the you know the one time that I ran in the Olympics, and that's I, I guess that's just part of our our life as runners. Uh, it is, and that's what yeah that's that's the beauty of it. You certainly learn a lot more about yourself from your your losses and your setbacks than you do your victories. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. As as you so, I wanted to ask you a little more specifically, Rich. As as you think back to you know that time in Sydney, um, we've all seen you know watched on television or some of us been to Olympic events where um, you know we hear that there's a runners' village or we see that there's a sense of international community. Um, what is what is that like? Kind of connecting with people from all over the world. Is it is it uh, feeling like you're all one community, or how how does that play out in the Olympic Village? Well, the it, it certainly makes for some in, interesting conversation in in the cafeteria at the village because <laughs> you you know it literally is a melting pot of people from all over the world. I would say that there's just a, a this great positive vibe. 
uh, around the village and at the opening and closing ceremonies because the Olympics are, are for the vast majority of called 10,000 athletes that participate, a, a celebration of culture and a celebration of sport uh, and not this crazy, crazy, intense sort of quest for a medal. Hmm. Uh, uh, and, and, I'm, and, and, you know, thankfully, NBC, when they cover it, I think they do a great job speaking to that. Uh, as an athlete, you're, you're challenged with trying to find that balance between being focused on your performance and all the things that you need to do to perform at your best, uh, but to also experience this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity uh, in a way that you don't have any regrets, meaning you need, you need to sort of keep your head up and uh, absorb and, and take it all in uh, and, and not put blinders on and just completely focus on, uh, in my case, you know, less than two minutes of, of a competition. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure that you make friends um, in the U.S., but also from other places in the world that, that you stick with for a long time and you learn a lot from. Very much so. Um, when uh, I've had, uh, you know, similar travel experiences, particularly with international marathons where, um, you know, you make friends for life, even though you may, you may only have met and ran with them for a brief time, um, just due to the, the, um, mutual camaraderie of, of an event and the challenge of it. Um, of course the Olympics is <laughs> on a much higher scale, but, uh, I definitely know that, that feeling and that sense of, um, that like, oh man, if, if the world could only get this, you know, this kind of person-to-person connection, there would, there would be a lot, a lot less problems. I agree, and in a broader sense, we believe here at Atlanta Track Club that, that running and walking do build community. We, our, our, our core values are community, camaraderie, and competition. Uh, and it's no accident that competition is, is the third of the three. Uh, so I so I believe the relationships that you create uh, while while training while racing uh, are 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 significant and are lasting and are meaningful. Uh, whether that is at the Olympic Games or or at our smallest uh, free to all Grand Prix event here at Atlanta Track Club. Yeah, that's a that's a great note to end on, Rich. I, I really appreciate um, you know that camaraderie and that that dedication that um, is part of uh, Atlanta, and I, I can't wait to be there for the marathon. Um, I know the Peachtree Road Race, as you mentioned, the biggest road race in the country, has been bringing people there and and building that community for a long time, and I, I know that uh, this will do a lot to uh, to do so as well, having this. This event and um, I can't wait to be a part of it thank you for your part in putting it together and um, for all that you do for the for the running community it's been my pleasure and look forward to welcoming you and the rest of the country here to Atlanta on the weekend of February 29th all right well happy running rich talk to you soon take care and thanks to all of you for joining us today what a great episode in terms of learning about running culture Olympics, Olympic history, Olympic hopefuls, what it's like to be a part of that. Super exciting. I hope that you'll join us for future episodes talking about the culture of marathons. I'll definitely be covering the Atlanta Marathon and the trials, so stay tuned for that in about a month. Before that, we'll also be talking to the Tokyo Marathon Race Director about what it's like to organize the newest marathon major experience, and that'll tie into the upcoming series. 
Until then, we hope that you'll join us on social media at Running Anthropologist on Facebook or Instagram or runninganthropologist.com, our blog site, where we'll post links from everything we talked about today as well as links from past episodes if you'd like to check them out. And until next time, we wish you happy running. And if you're nearby, hope to catch you in Atlanta.